podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome. Welcome to episode 361 of Film Bastards. My name's Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Becky Foster, hello everybody. Matt Foster, hello everybody. And we are graced with the presence of a man that we've not had on the show for a a while, because there's been fuck all out, but... He's joining us not for one review, not for three reviews, but for two reviews. <laughs> it is. Noel Mella, hello. Noel is back with us, ladies and gents. And why? Why? Is there <laughs> is a it, comic book is it film? Is comic book movie time? Is there... What do I see? Is it a mirage? It... it it doesn't feel like it could be real. We didn't think it was real, but hang on a second. I'm walking towards it. Fuck it out! It's real. The new mutants. They're here and we've seen it. In cinemas. Jesus fucking Christ. So. Yet more proof the simulation is broken. In simulation news this week as well, Michael Owen has launched an IPA. In what China. The fuck? In China. Um. Yep. He doesn't drink, does he? Uh, Is this like he plays football but doesn't like it? No, he he, he does drink. Uh, he doesn't drink hot drinks because <laughs> th- this is genuine. He doesn't drink hot drinks because they're for grown-ups. That's what he literally said that in an interview once. And somebody said, "You're in your thirties, mate." Quinn, you got what? He said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah." But I just never, I never got round of trying it. How old is Michael Owen now? He must be 41, 42. Michael Owen. Then again, saying that, uh, Ice T didn't, didn't have his um, first cup of coffee until last year. And it's because somebody uh, referenced it on Twitter and he was like, no, nah, I don't drink coffee. I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. So he went to a coffee shop, filmed it, had a cup <laughs> of coffee, filmed it on Twitter and went, I, mean, I don't know what everyone's bragging about it. <laughs> this is brilliant. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's the um, ones he's drinking. He's like, he's like, I, 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 I drink like fruit juice. That's what I drink. This is Ice Tea talking to you, boy. I'm about to try some coffee. <laughs> it basically was that. It wasn't far off that actually. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm gonna about to come in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, through a general day today without coffee, must have a very easy life. Well. Maybe. I can't imagine much phases iced tea. Mm. I don't know. I listened to um, his recent interview on Mark Maron's podcast. Um, it was really good, actually. Um, and he seems pretty rattled, rattled about COVID-19, to be fair. <laughs> he seems a bit like he was he was very sort of like, man, I ain't leaving the house for nothing. <laughs> so he just really... <laughs> Like, I think, to be fair, he knows a couple of people who've had it who, who were quite ill with it. But he's like, they were talking about uh, the idea that, you know, um, people are saying to him, oh, wh- why are you scared of this? Like, And he's like, well, you know, this ain't something that, that you can just punch. It's not about being tough and all this. It's not about being a gangster. 
this this thing will put you on your ass and stuff like that. And it was, yeah, man, he's rattled about he's rattled about coronavirus. So, yeah. um, oh. luxury to just stay inside and hide from it. <laughs> he said he said he just sends his wife to the supermarket whenever they need him. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably because she's like nineteen, I would guess, but. <laughs> Yeah, not not maybe not exactly fitting the demographic of people who are at particular risk yeah. of COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, and well, so we've also got Noel on because because of his shit iced tea impersonations. Well, actually, no, I was gonna. I actually thought it was all right. Um, it kind of the the, the second one not as good, but I did like the first one where it was just like I ain't going out for nothing. Like I I I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um. I'm not going to do an iced tea impersonation. Um, so I'll work, well, on, I'll work on it for an upcoming podcast me and Mark are doing. <laughs> what was the name of that fucking like rock? Like rock? Was it Body Count? Body Count, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a what a time! What a time! Excellent band. Their new album's great. The last the album before that was great. So yeah, find out more on an upcoming episode of Tales from the Tape Deck. Fucking a! <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Um, so also uh we've got uh long gestating sequel which uh you know um was supposed to come out in august and came out in august just about you know well done bill and ted face the music we'll be talking about that um mark becky and myself will also be talking about amy simetz's uh low budget horror thingamajig she dies tomorrow and uh i'm sure okay sorry it's, it's buzz horror isn't it this yes it is uh, great okay i look forward to hearing about this nice definitely a thing that's available to watch is it out there as well it's you know it's uh okay. it exists in the world it's definitely available on itunes in the uk so that's how we saw it um so yes um and uh trailers what we watched uh news and whatnot uh it would be fucking stupid of us to go through the show without talking about the ridiculously fucking sad death of chadwick boseman um a man who will forever live in um like some sort of pop culture uh sphere for a great number of decades to come, I think. Um, obviously, was Black Panther, but also played uh, uh, Jackie Robinson, James Brown. Um, you know, just f- fucking an incredibly prolific short career, um, and a man who everybody seems to have just said was fucking lovely and meant an awful lot to a lot of people um yeah just absolutely fucking insane news on saturday morning that eh? yeah i don't think anybody was really expecting that were they um apparently not even marvel it it turns out um i don't know it's it's incredibly sad it's it was it was a very shocking thing to hear i think Obviously, most people uh, uh, will be f- more familiar with him 
uh, from his role as Black Panther in, in, in the solo film, but also in the Avengers films. Um, it's certainly where I'm most familiar with him uh, from. I think Black Panther as a, mo- as a movie... I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it's got its, its weaknesses, but I think the one thing that's always stood out and shone be way beyond any of those weaknesses is just the sheer importance of it and the mm. um, yeah. you know the wider cultural impact of, of it. Uh, nobody can argue with that, and I think that actually um, his performance as T'Challa really um amplifies that i think his even his sort of you know his appearance in civil war he plays the role in a very regal um in a very regal reserved kind of way and i think for me it's just incredibly sad as, as a as a marvel fan as a comic book fan as a comic book movie fan we're not going to get to see him grow this character and do more with it. Cause I think one of the things I was excited about was seeing black Panther grow into the, the much bigger character that he is in the comics. You know, he's part of, uh, he, he grows to be a big part of the Avengers and he grows to be a big part of the, the Marvel universe politics. Um, and it would have been great to see that. Um, and it is incredibly sad. He's we're not going to get the chance to see that, and he's not going to get the chance to do it. Yeah, it, it's a it's one of those. I think you know, it, it, for for movie fans, I think it, it's one. It's going to be one of those shit. Where were you when you found out? Kind of moments, you know. Yeah. I think it's. Um, I think the last one that that. That's one that kind of rocked people uh, from a, a, a film world kind of one was Anton Yelchin, but I think the last one that okay. that hit people kind of like that, that seemed to hit the, the 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 film community. I think this hard was was probably Heath Ledger. Um, and as an untapped kind of like unfulfilled potential kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, it, 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 it's it's weird because we've got um, you know he, he like kind of like Ian said said there. He, he had quite a prolific but really short career. You know, we didn't, we weren't getting movies from this guy no. when he was 19, 20. You know, he's he's only become, he's only been in, in movies for around about 10 years. And, you know, it, it's, we recently watched him in um, 21 Bridges there. And it's, it, it's probably the most I've enjoyed watching him. Mm. Uh, and it's like, oh, holy shit. I, I, you watch, I'd, I'd love to see this guy doing more stuff like this you know it's it was you got the real a a different kind of charisma that was was there i think it's it it, i think the fact that they don't seem to know is is i think it's fantastic the fact that he didn't he very much seems like he wanted to keep this to himself and, and you know as as he fucking should you know it makes the slightly sort of unenthusiastic red carpet appearances and stuff like that hit a bit different though because like you're looking at it now going oh shit when everyone was criticizing him for like half ass doing the Wakanda salute and stuff like that he was going through some shit <laughs> yeah and I think I'm not, it, it, and he was still it. having to do this big publicity trial yeah it's uh, it's an incredibly sad thing and you know it, yeah I, I think, yeah. I think the other thing as well is he 
like that was part of his part of his like I say part of his character in um in Black Panther and and part of his role within the Marvel Cinematic Universe was was having that sort of regal sort of you know sense of class about him and I think that I think that really comes across in in the way he was you know doing red carpets and stuff like that I also think though there was moments in the in his Marvel appearances where particularly when you see him speaking to is it Letitia Wright who plays Shuri you know there's moments in there where he relaxes and he sort of he responds to her as a brother would a sister and you see his sort of his more his his cooler sort of more you know less regal sort of side come through Mm. um and that's just really nice to see as well um it's a shame we don't get to see him more do do more stuff but you know that's it's a selfish thing to say but it's true and that's true and like i say about the, the whole sort of like cultural impact thing you know this this is a character that um and a movie that gave um you know kids all over the world who weren't necessarily represented uh or, or, well weren't represented in marvel movies and superhero movies it gave them a hero to look up to but at the same time you know it illustrates to me just how things like this um can translate for everyone like I, as I, I was speaking to somebody about this recently but like you know charlie's favorite uh marvel cinematic universe character is black panther mm. um and when charlie saw black panther he immediately wanted a black panther outfit and he immediately wanted a uh you know wanted to run around the house being black panther because kids don't see that they just see how cool the character is um so for something to be so important and to give so much to uh to one community but at the same time just be this uh, this broad representation of what hero is um is incredibly special so um yeah like you say he'll be he'll be remembered for all the right reasons in comic book movie circles i think uh, it's um I don't know. Um, I suppose we don't need to say much more about it, but it's um, give it a fucking Letitia, right? Let's yeah. let's go. Let's fucking go. You yeah. know, and uh, it. You'd like to think that would like if he had a say in it, that would be the kind of thing that he'd be pushing for as well. I mean, who knows? But um, yeah, it it that feels like the natural thing to do. It feels like the right thing to do. It feels like just from a progressive point of view fucking let's do it you've and just frankly you've got someone there who could do that role for the next 20 25 years without breaking a fucking sweat so you know anyway um yeah Chadwick Boseman and just very 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 fucking sad and like Mark said good on him for keeping it quiet um that's hell of a thing um learn a lot learn a fair bit about how Hollywood works in that regard, reading that Hollywood Reporter article. Very interesting stuff. But, um, yeah. We will get to see him again as Black Panther, though, because of the uh, the What If animated show. So, apparently, he did record that, didn't he? So, oh, that's so we, good. We will get another dose of, of Chadwick Boseman as, as Black Panther, as far as I'm aware, anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's all fully recorded and yeah. finished. Yeah. He had, um, he had one other um, role that he'd completed as well, a Netflix right. film. Um 
for the life of me, I can't remember it. I'm so sorry, but that's um, actually yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, ma, ma something. Oh, I forget what it's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's um due on Netflix later this year, so um we'll 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 see about that. But yeah, very sad, very very fucking sad. Um, Netflix have apparently uh, asked uh, his family if they want that delaying. Night, night, buddy. Daddy. Yeah. Um, got some time. Sorry, 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 Charlie. No, no, we'll get, we'll get. Go on, share it with, share it with the group. Um, I'm gonna, for Christmas, I'm gonna get some boots. Like, there's a button on the side, and it makes, and when you press it. Yeah. The boots make you jump really hard. Higher. Mhm. Okay. Nice. Sweet. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Sorry, Daddy. Sorry. I thought he said he wanted some Beats headphones, and it was like, Jesus Christ, do I have to start thinking about whether Lottie wants Beats? <laughs> I, I literally, I literally thought Ian, you were gonna say that. Jesus Christ, do I have to explain to Charlie why beats are shit? <laughs> Don't worry, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else happening um in the film world this week? I don't feel like there was. It kind of feels like things are just slowly waking up again. So. Should we move on to trailers? Have there been have there been any trailers? Uh, I watched one earlier today and I can't for the life of me remember what it was. And that's not YouTube to check to see what it was. That was Netflix. What was it? Uh, Possessor. Oh, or um, Possessor Uncut, as they keep on calling it, even yeah. though like it's never it's never been out. Does that just mean they haven't edited it? Yeah, no, apparently. It's just it's... four hours of randomly organised footage. No, I, no I, read, I read something that apparently it's already leaked online and they're trying to call it Possessor Uncut so that if people try to search Possessor Uncut on torrent sites, they won't get hit. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Um, oh, it's the Brandon Cronenberg one. It's just the same film. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the Brandon Cronenberg one, which... I'll I'll be honest, just kind of looks like it's gonna weird me out too much. So I'll watch it, but I don't think I want to watch any of the marketing. Thoughts, Mark? Um, it's it's a messy as fuck trailer. Mm. It, it it's it's just it's just it's a lot of imagery, but like really really badly cut together. The synopsis sounds quite interesting. It sounds interesting. I'm interested in the film, but the trailer is crap. Mm. It looks like the a really edgy, fast cuts and confusing trailer. And what it just looks like is like they've taken three different trailers and just cut bits from each one and put it together. (laughs) It sounds like a must watch when that comes out in the UK in early 2021. Um... Anything else? There was something else we watched a trailer for. The Babysitter sequel. Oh, yes, yeah. Ooh. Oh, fuck, I didn't When are we this. getting that? Uh, it's out in September 18th, I think it is. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, um, it, it, it looks batshit. <laughs> it looks like they've just, like, they've gone, 
Like, McGee's gone, hang on a minute. You're going to give me more money to make another movie? Yeah. And I can do whatever I want? Yeah. Fuck it. I'm going to do loads. <laughs> I'm going to do some mad shit. Yeah, 10th of September. Yeah. 10th of September, is it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah well so there that looks like some, some crazy shit. Literally, it's all of the old characters are back. Apart from. Apart from it looks like Tamara Weaving. But yeah, all the all the all characters are back, and it's just they they've, they've made a pact with the devil, uh, so that to be let out of hell for three days to come and try and get that kid. <laughs> oh, <Thanks>. brilliant! <laughs> it just yeah. I it, don't need I don't need to see the trailer now. That'll do. What you just said. That'll do. First one, then it's. It, it, yeah, it does look like they've just turned it up and yeah. gone. All right, we can have loads more settings, can we? And can have a little, we can have a little bit more fun with this. Go on then. I think the um, that guy's a bit of an unsung hero from the first one, isn't he? What's he called? Uh, Sorry, guys. I'm rubbish with names. Emilio Estevez. Oh, the uh, Max. Which one's Max? The Robbie Amell. Robbie Amell. Yeah. yeah. Don't say that too loud. Literally, Mike will start running from New Zealand to kill us. Why? <laughs> Mike fucking hates him. <laughs> we're like a deep-seated passion. Oh, wow. are, we, are we sure it's that, Amel? Isn't there two of them? No, it's, yeah, it, it, it's not this one. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, I, technically, there's four of them because his name's Robert, Robert Patrick Amel the fourth. Nice. Christ. That's mental, then. So, what's it, his brother, like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being the four? I think they're generational. Yeah, I don't think generational. they're called the same people in, in one generation, like brothers. What we no, I thought they called the same. It's not like it's fucking, what's his name? Uh, Robert George, one? George Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, can you imagine that? Like Robert, because there'll be a senior, won't there? He, he's like the, the fourth in line. Can you imagine Vinny's little brother? Mm. Or what you called, Glenn? I don't know. If you told me there was four of these guys and they were all clones and he just happened to be the fourth one, I'd believe you. Yeah, he's got a little, he's got a little number four behind his eight. Yeah. <laughs> just give him a he's, a, he's a Joel Kinnaman type. Yeah. <laughs> Which one's Joel Kinnaman? Was he... Is he uh, Rick Flagg in Suicide Squad? Yes. Yeah. Right. God, it's hard to keep trapping, tracking it. Mm. Yeah. Um, Joel Kinnaman basically is skinny skin job. <laughs> Jack Courtney is buff skin job. Not to be confused with uh, the guy who, oh, what's his name? The guy who was in Logan who always looks Lloyd like Holbrook. he's. Lloyd Holbrook, the man who always looks like he's dressed as. He's wearing a disguise as Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's come to a party disguised as Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. <laughs> Something not right, and I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> Literally, there. Do you, do you know who I am? You might be Boyd Holbrook. <laughs> you're you're a man in the skin of Boyd Holbrook. <laughs> it it feels like Boyd Holbrook and Wyatt Russell would both be more it would be both be more successful if one of the others was dead. <laughs> There's far too many Joel Kinnaman types out there. I think that's the problem we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Like Jai Courtney, thanks to Captain Boomerang, I know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, I can remember him because of that one shot in Suicide Squad where he has that cheeky little swig of beer, um, and that's how I remember Jai Courtney. But you've got Jai Courtney, Sam Worthington, Joel Kinnaman. Who was the guy who played? Who was in Wolverine X Men Origins? Who played? Um, 
uh, what's he called? Ah, uh, the character. Oh, Gambit. Gambit, yeah. Um, he's, Taylor, he's another one. Um, Taylor Kitsch. Taylor, Taylor Kitsch. Kitsch, yeah. Yeah, God, there's a lot of them in there. Fair there's play. Them, yeah. There's a farm somewhere. <laughs> and like, are they? Aren't they all in? No. Who's in sabotage? There's Sabotage. quite a few. Aren't there quite a few of them in sabotage? Uh, Josh Holloway's in what is it? In Sam, sabotage. Sam Worthington's in sabotage. Joe Maginello. Oh, Joe Maginello, that's it. Yeah. But I know him. Oh yeah, no, Joe. Joe, Mag- Joe well, Maginello. He's, 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 he's different. different. That's good job. No. no, he's different. Um, uh, he plays Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, he does play Dungeons and Dragons. I've sit, I've watched some YouTube videos of him playing Dungeons and Dragons. I, I it's actually, very entertaining. I, I watched the game where it was it was like him. Uh, I think it's Paul Rudd, Tom Morello. <laughs> just like loads of people going, "This is mental." <laughs> that sounds great. Um, wow. Um, Although okay. I do I do always get um, Joe Maniello mixed up with uh, Frank Grillo. Well, that that that's some news actually. So Frank Grillo and uh, Joe Maginello, <laughs> Frank Grillo and uh, Gerard Butler are going to be the two stars of the new Joe Carnahan movie. Fuck off! What really? Yeah, yeah, the new Joe Carnahan movie uh, is going to start Frank Grillo and, <laughs> and uh, Gerard Butler. Is it literally called Mark Nip? film to Joe <laughs> Carnahan. It, I mean, just that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> it is. Can you just? They, they, it, it's. It's just so fucking masculine that movie. <laughs> it literally. It smells woodsmany that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like pine needles. It is. Yeah. It smells like you'd be safe in that movie. You'd be safe, Becky. Safe. I'd be getting punched. Yeah. You'd be safe. <laughs> You do look a bit like a baddie. You've got a beard. Don't tell them that. <laughs> don't tell them that. It's not going to end well for me. No. No. I don't. I don't have that 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 safe aura. I have that slightly weird energy. Yeah, weird energy. I, I, but on a scale, if you were to put it like one of those two men, or like Matthew. You foxing Alex Cross. I'm closer to that scale. Yeah. I'm somewhere. I'm around. I'm around a a a kind of like indecent shape Giovanni nineties Rabisi. Right. Why did yeah. you put nineties in the middle there? You've got to say it at the start. Nineties Giovanni Rabisi. Giovanni nineties Rabisi. I think that's his name. Is that just his name? Is it? That's just his name. Yeah, that's how he's known. Giovanni, I think I'm in the Avatar sequels. No one knows anymore. Rabisi. Do you reckon he just just turned up in New Zealand just to see if he was? Uh, Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, I think James Cameron probably just had them all on standby for like two years and basically said, stay in your hotel room. I'll call you if I need you. (laughs) Rabisi's been there just looking at his phone going, just lifting it up every few seconds and going, oh, shit's there. What if that was the moment when he was going to call? Is he in the first one? Yes. Like prominently? He's Pretty not. prominently, yeah. He's like the, um, kind of like the, the business guy in the, 
base is all get me the Amatanium, you pricks. I think that's a line. Giovanni Rabisi with the chaotic energy, the scatter fucking. But that's 90s Giovanni Rabisi. Giovanni 90s Rabisi. Answering his his phone to to James Cameron on a Motorola (laughs) StarTac. Right, I'm moving this fucking train along. I'm sorry. Um, Bill and Ted Face the Music is directed by Dean Parasote and stars Keone Reeves, Alex Windsor, Smara Reeving, uh, William Sadler and uh, others. Um, So this is Bill and Ted back again 30 years after. They uh, were they were wild stallions. They kind of are wild stallions, but um, they haven't really done the world changing stuff they thought they were going to. But they are told that they have mere hours to write the greatest song that uh, ever, which will connect the world. Otherwise, the entire fabric of reality will disintegrate. Um, I think that's probably about it there. Um, Noel, what did you think of Bill and Ted face the music? Oh man, you came to me first. Uh, I feel like I'm so I'm a huge fan of these. I'm a huge fan of Bill and Ted. I uh, the first movie is one that I watched over and over and over and over and over again, virtually every day um, back when it came out. So I'm a huge, huge fan of the characters. Uh, I love Bogus Journey. I feel like the difference between those two movies is absolutely massive. Um, it's almost like it's almost like if um, the first movie is like Pepsi, then Bogus Journey is like Coke Zero or something. Like it's just or Pepsi Max or something. Like they're they're very they're the same, but they're just more sort of you know. There's a very big difference in the tone. Um, so actually this film could have been anything. Um, I think clearly what it chose to do was go back and be a little bit more like the first one than it did the second one. I mean, there are elements of, of, uh, the journey that they go on, which, which are sort of, um, more reflective of the second one, but I feel like they tried to make it feel a bit smaller, um, and maybe a little bit more along the lines of the first film. Uh, so it could have gone either way. I think um, most people seemed to really want this film to be, you know, the movie that we really need right now, the movie that sort of cheers everybody up. It's been a difficult year for everyone. And wouldn't it be great if Bill and Ted faced the music was just this really um, carefree, happy time? I think it was. I think it it was definitely going for that. Um, but I feel like people's need for it to be that film is overshadowing the fact that it's not that good. Um, I it, it it's doing all the right things and it's trying, and there's something about it that I just can't put my finger on. But it's just there's there's no magic to it, and I can't put my finger on why. I don't think it's very funny. Um, I don't think Keanu Reeves was very good. Um, Alex Winter was fine. Um, the kids I found 
Uh, Samara Weaving's fine. The other one, um, whose name I can't remember, um, she was a little bit more of a caricature. Um, and, and the plot just, you know, just bounces around and doesn't really have much of a... Um, much of a structure to it and and that wouldn't be too much of a problem because the second film is very much like that you know bogus journey bounces around all over the place um but i just feel like they had an opportunity to do something a bit more and a bit better and make something that wasn't like excellent adventure and wasn't like bogus journey but was something that was its own but with these characters um so yeah I, I was really willing it to to work. Uh, I was really willing it to be good. Um, my six-year-old boy absolutely loved it, uh, so it worked for him. Uh, but for me, it just it just some bit of magic that was missing to it. It just didn't quite gel for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, Bex, thoughts? It's difficult. I I don't have the same level of nostalgia for the Bill and Ted movies as, say, Mark probably does. I didn't see them until I was that little bit older. Um, so I think for me, it felt it felt like a good continuation. Like the the other two, I don't find laugh out loud funny. They're funny whilst being a good, interesting storyline, which is what I felt like this was um it's incidentally funny rather than being funny as its main mm. kind of uh aim um it it's a weird one because it's it's a bit awkward seeing especially keanu reeves obviously who's in more and more prominent than mm. alex winter yeah um seeing him then going back to do that character and like doing that whole kind of uh, like surfer dude kind of thing that, that that they have doing that at his age now with no beard so he doesn't even look like himself anyway it's it's a bit odd whereas I think with Alex Winter you can just kind of accept it because he doesn't look an awful lot different just a little bit more craggy um, and you've not really necessarily seen him do an awful lot else since anyway um, the daughters I yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with Noel that the um, is it Bridget Lundy Payne? Yeah. Um, she is very much just a caricature of yeah. Um, whereas Samara Weaving kind of I don't know. She she clearly doesn't want to just go along that route, and she's kind of trying to be yeah, not just that. But then I think in the context of the film, um. It, it, it ends up working better for the one that's more of a caricature for me. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it feels like more of a kind of, I don't know, tribute-y. Um, I don't know how super keen I am for the wrap-up to these three movies being that it actually wasn't them that wrote the song, that like were, were responsible for the song that united the world. Like, I feel like the first two films kind of present it as being their destiny and it actually wasn't. They just play on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, for, for, for them, I was kind of a bit disappointed that they weren't the ones that orchestrated all that. Mm. And it was their daughters. Um, but yeah, no, it, 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 
it's it's very good fun and for me it feels in line with the tone of the other two movies yep 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 yeah uh, also mark um well like, like no um that i always leaned further towards bogus journey part of that is because uh in the the housing days owning vhs and only owning a view i owned bogus journey so i watched it an awful fucking lot um and, you know, it's probably up there as one of the movies that I have watched the most in my life. Uh, and you could probably just take that from ages like 11 to 13, if you just took those years. And uh, one of the greatest soundtracks of all time still. It's a fucking great soundtrack. It's a great movie, but like you say, it, it, it's quite chaotic. It's quite all over the place. Um, weirdly, I actually saw Bogus Journey before I saw Excellent Adventure as well. Um, and in this, I can... The thing is, it, it ask if you asked me and said, "What do you, you know, what would you think of it straight after it finished?" I, I, I would be like, "Joe, you know it's great, it's great fun, everything like that." The more I think about it, the more I let it sit with me, the more that the bits that irked me are, are, are standing out. Um, I will, in my life, I will probably watch Excellent Adventure again. I will definitely watch Bog's Journey again. Not sure if I watch First the Music yeah. again. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever need to watch First the Music again. And I had a I had a good enough time with it while I was watching it. Uh, I think I found it funnier than both you guys did. But then again, I'm easily amused. It would say <laughs> um, that. Uh, yet the um, Bridget Lundy Payne is it, it literally is just a selection of arm movements and head gestures and an impression. Yeah. It is her entire character. Uh, I have a few really. I actually thought that the best performance in it out of all of them was William Sadler as Death. I thought he had the best arc, yeah. um, and you got more backstory of him than anybody else. Uh, but I have like really weird, like little minor gripes for it. There's nothing that really stands out as a gripe. But for a start, the final song is crap. Yeah, and that needed to be an absolute mm-hmm. banger. Yeah. And it's not, it, it, it's just each of them playing a little bit of music. All the people they've got playing a little bit of music. And it just, it felt, it, it felt completely wrong. And it felt completely out of sync. And it felt like, well, no, they haven't actually written that. They haven't written anything. No. It, 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 it's very much, ah, uh, it, 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 it's, like, it's like a Swedish producer when I've got this song nailed. And it's like, no, you don't. You just don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's crap. Uh, I think the they cast- could have done. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say they could have done more with that as well. Like the name of the film is Bill and Ted Face the Music, and I think they were so concerned with having Bill and Ted running around chasing Bill dressed up versions of themselves, mm-hmm. which is a very tired, like you know. Red Dwarf used to do that every single week. Like that's, you know, that whole sort of concept of, all right, let's go and see what we would be like in this timeline. It's a very easy thing to do that. And, uh, you know, they and they did it a little bit with the last film. And it comes back to what I'm saying about it being in order to make Bill and Ted face the music, they took a little bit of the first film and a little bit of the second film and sort of smashed them together. Yeah. Um, but they they didn't make you know what what this should have been is a progression of that you know it, it used to be pepsi and now it's pepsi max and what is it next like you know um i don't feel like they took the opportunity to do, to do that and, and the music side of it 
especially with it being called Bill and Ted Face the Music, and especially with it being about them as musical artists and, and, you know, what did they do to discover their sound to change the world? They could have focused a lot more on that and then used the mechanic of, you know, going back through time and finding um, the greatest museums in history. They could have used that a little bit more, but it feels like all that side of it was rushed because they were so busy going, all right, well, let's have them meet a version of them that's in prison in weird, like, muscle bodysuits. Like, they didn't, they should have just focused on one thing and concentrated on making that entertaining and funny. Yeah, mm. absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, another issue was the title. Yeah, it bothered you. That it bothered me this because the first one is Excellent Adventure, the second one's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Then face the music. It feels yeah. like you've gone, you've not, you, it would have been so easy that Ted, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, um, Ted actually says this will be a most outstanding event. Bill and Ted's outstanding event. Mm. It's such a better and flowing <laughs> title. Yeah, and then they put they put on a concert. It's and then they put on a concert, and it, it makes it, it makes sense. But then just call it Bill and Ted face the music. You're it's right. Like, well, for a so. start off, Bill and Ted don't face the music, uh, and it, it, that bothered me. Casting Gillian Bell in anything bothers me. Um, what? Well, she? she plays the psychiatrist. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a woman who forgets to be funny in everything. Mm. Um, and so this kid Cuddy character. <laughs> right. So this kid Cuddy character, right? I have never heard a kid Cuddy song, right? Yeah. Yet I have seen him now in one, two, three, four, five, five, I think six movies, right? Yeah. Never heard a song. He's there in Bill and Ted Face the Music as they're talking about him being this great musician, this oh great God, rapper, and all that lot. I'm thinking, right, so clearly, once they've all this band's doing all of the, what is it, and you've got She's Fluting and, Bill, and, and Mozart's Mozart in, and Jimi Hendrix is just wailing and everything like that, Kid Cooney's then going to blast out some, some rap. Nope. No. Nope, just goes. It's like, what? why is he there? Well, that's, cool. the, that's the other thing. He He ends up being very, very important in explaining things about time travel and stuff like that and i think the problem with having kid cooney is first of all no one knows who the fuck he is anybody who grew up on these films we have no idea who he is and i get the sense even though i know nothing about him is he's somebody who was probably cool about three or four years ago so today's audiences probably don't care that much about him anyway i'm not the biggest fan of dave grohl in the world but if you want to have dave grohl in there it makes sense in the bill and ted universe to have dave grohl in there if you wanted to have someone like dave grohl in there explaining you know, time, space, continuums and that and, and, and quantum physics, that could be kind of funny. But Kid Cudi isn't funny doing that. You need to have somebody like, I don't know, it'd be funny if they had uh, Miley Cyrus doing it or just somebody you really wouldn't expect to be do- to doing it as opposed to just this random person who they happened to be able to get. And that, that's the thing. Dave Grohl has one line and he's shit. Yeah. Like, the line reading is awful. Um. And he's been he's been all right in other things as well, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, I I probably pretty much echo you guys. I think it's aggressively fine. Um, it wants to please everyone, and ends up kind of like it, it does seem to have like really satisfied some people, but 
it is that whole the film we need right now kind of thing and um i there's like emotional attachment and just like the whole shit it's a big film which they released on vod that's very very nice so let's be nice to them kind of angle to it quite frankly um i I didn't think it was shit you know it it would be a definitely not shit for me but like kind of uh, barely you know it, it was 90 minutes that flew by didn't offend laughed a couple of times thought it was stronger in the front in in the front end than it was in the back end that 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 climax sequence is shit like it's shit and uh, you know bill and ted are running around getting all these like like whatever the fuck they're i don't even really know what they were doing they're just dotting around all over the place while their daughters are doing this stuff and you know that's that's cool that the 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 you know, I, I mean, it was a very obvious twist, but okay. But then just to have Bill and Ted kind of darting around all over the place, then come in with a guitar in the end, just felt it yeah, did feel, feel like a bit were, of a service to them. They were going around giving everybody in time, everybody in the world, or in time, or in the world, musical instruments, so that they could play along with the song at the end, which is a weird. That doesn't really make sense. Like no, it, it, it don't. It, it's it feels a little bit like something that sounds good on the page. Uh, and then when they actually started making it, they were like, oh, this is a bit shit, this. I feel like they overcomplicated all that side of things. They, Like you mm-hmm. say, Mark, if they did Bill and Ted's, what was it, awesome event? Uh, outstanding event. Outstanding event. Like, that gives you a direction. It gives you an end point. It gives you a thing to aim for. And yeah, it would have been a little bit sort of Wayne's World too, but... You know, having something like that to aim for makes sense. Whereas what they got instead was just a mess of ideas and and a relatively unsatisfying sort of hodgepodge of things that is essentially the climax to this trilogy now. I mean, I will just say, between Bill and Ted's outstanding event and Portrait of a Winslet on Ronan, I think we have confirmed that Mark and I should name all films. I think we have absolutely confirmed that, Ian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it probably would have added a star to Bill and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. It it would have made me feel better. Yeah, it's fine. It will will disappear, and Mm. no one will really talk about it, but you will have some people who quite frankly probably did need this film in the headspace that, you know, I imagine, especially in America, I mean, like we're not doing fucking great in the UK, but I feel like there are a lot of people in the U S who probably have a real affinity for Bill and Ted who fucking needed this film. And I hope that it gave them genuine joy. I'm sad that it didn't me. Yeah. That's the that's the thing though, you know. I'll I'll preface this by saying, you know, this film coming out was a great opportunity uh, for me to go back and rewatch the movies with Charlie. He thoroughly enjoyed the first one. He was delighted when he when I told him there was a second one. Um, and then we watched the second one, and he asked if there was a third one, and I said, yeah, and it's out in a few weeks' time, and we're going to watch it together because I'll never have seen it before. Unlike these two that we've watched together and you've loved. I've never seen this before. We're going to watch it, the, the two of us together. It's going to be amazing. And he had the best time. Like, so 
you know, it worked in that regard. It's just for me, and I understand that people want it to be the film that we need right now. I wanted it to be the film that we need right now. But more than anything else, I wanted it to be the next Bill and Ted movie. And it doesn't feel like it stepped up to the plate of going from the, the simplicity and purity of uh, and fun of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, stepping up to the madness and chaos of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Like, what's next? And and what's next is this. And I, I'm, that disappoints me. Yeah, it, 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 I, I, I'm definitely not shit on it just because I enjoyed spending time with the characters. And I think if it was 10 minutes longer, it had probably been, sh- I'd probably have it as a shit because it had, it had just outstayed its welcome. Yes. Uh, but like I say, I can't see a world where I think, oh, I'll watch Bill and Ted first music without my brain going, oh, could you watch Bogus Journey? Mm. Even, if I, even if I've just watched Bogus Journey, I go, I could give first music another go. My brain will still go, oh, I could watch Bogus Journey again. <laughs> <laughs> What you yeah, it's a definitely not shit. It, I, I found it funny enough, and it was it was quite nice to see something that's there's no mean spiritedness to it. It's just it's not just quite nice. Yeah, it it, it 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 could have been a lot better, but it also could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it could. It could have tried to tap into recent or current trends or whatever, and been a bit nastier, and it didn't. And I like that. I like mm. it for that. Very good. Our our audience poll was um, excellent, was 78%. Nice. Non heinous was 22%. uh, And bogus uh, was 0%. And whoa, was 0%. (laughs) It was whoa, Geo. Yeah. 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 It's good effort, that, Mark. Thank you. Right. I'm going to go for a P. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put, put these four and five-year-olds in front of this movie. It's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day-glow sentimentality? To try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political and historical context? Because if so, it sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. Beyond the Neon.
Beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testarossa, eject the Wham cassette, and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies, or John Hughes movies, you will not not find find that here. here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games, or Stranger Things references, you will will not not find find that that here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads, or Patreon begging, you will will not not find find that here. here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube, mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondtheneon.co.uk. Um, if anybody, if nobody else is going for a pee, I'm wondering if they, uh, maybe somebody wants to do some what we've been watching. Go on, then. Becky. What you've been watching? On my own. Yeah. Um, hang on. I don't know if I have. There's a bear with you. The bear, whole bear. Um, the only things I've watched on my own, I watched it chapter two because we started watching it the other day, didn't we? And yeah, never got around to finishing it. I um, didn't finish that either. Well, I restarted it again and watched it through. It's way too long. The problem is. And it's the same problem that the miniseries has. Neither of them stick the landing. Um, yeah. I think this one probably does. No, I wouldn't say better because I really like the miniseries. They, they both do very well with the adult part of the journey. But neither of them stick the landing. It's two hours, 50 minutes long. It is. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel it while you're watching it, though. Um, But the ending, just like. I, w- I watched it with Isabel, or I watched most of the end of it with Isabel, and, and she's like, "Oh, we get we, we get into that bit where they just basically bully Pennywise, and that is that is basically the ending. They bully Pennywise to feel like shit so they can beat him, and I don't know whether that's necessarily a great message anyway. But also, he's the eater of worlds, just like shit talking him. I don't necessarily think would be enough to beat him. Yeah, it just. It, it's just a, it goes out with such a whimper does it come down to that so one of the criticisms and you'll know more about this is one of the criticisms that i've heard of both the series uh and i'm assuming by the sounds of it this is that they don't really touch upon what um what it is in the mm-hmm. way that stephen king does in the books like it's very much dealt with as oh it's this nasty creepy clown who's from a, another dimension or something but yeah. in the books, apparently, it's like it's a lot older and deeper and more, you know, um, what's the word? More malevolent and stuff. Well, yeah, but it's just sort of bigger. Like he's yeah. almost like a god or something. Yeah, yeah, basically, like the the, the books. He's he's this this massive evil force essentially, and they have to they have to go into his dimension to beat him, and then I think. God, and they, they all get muddled up, but then... Um, what are we they... talking about? King Ralph? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. 
um when they come back to this dimension i think they do have to beat him as a spider but the spider's actually scary in the book because it's your imagination that presents the imagery and blah 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 and i get that that's hard to do on screen and you know the whole like the, the turtle thing that's in the book i get that that would look hokey on screen you know i i appreciate that they have to change things but changing it so that they bully him into submission just i don't know it's it's just so it's just a naff ending it's two hours 50 minutes long becky it is yeah See what you said about it be about it not feeling its length. That's why I never got through it. That's why I never got through uh, it. Chapter two is because I was bored while I was watching it, and all I could think is, all I could think was, oh my god, there's still two hours of this. Oh my god, there's still an hour and forty five minutes of this. Oh my god, there's still an hour and a half of this. So it just, <laughs> I I ended up just giving up. Now I do I do think the first one. It, out of the two is is an awful lot better yeah. I, I enjoyed the first one yeah the, the 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 child actors in that i think do better with it as well there's a lot there's better imagery um although there is that one bit where stan's head grows spider legs that's quite good um i don't know it's it, it, i just they, they they stuck it with with part one they, they they did well with it and the bits that they changed you could kind of go well, you know what? I get why, and that that person didn't get as much screen time, but I, I get why, and they probably will in the second one, and it it just never really panned out because they got high and smelled their own farts. Yeah, I think possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I watched the Miseducation of Cameron Post um today, which is one that I've been wanting to watch for quite a while. Um, it's an odd one. It's very much a kind of YA kind of movie um i think it, it it deals with the um the toxicity of kind of conversion therapy for for homosexuality in in quite a good way like it's never it's never done in like a necessarily nasty way but it's just the brainwashing element and the convincing children that they're evil kind of thing it's it, it's dealt with in quite a a good and like realistic way I think it, it kind of feels like that's probably what they're like whereas some of them you see them and it's everyone's just horrible and you know they're power washing them down and giving them electroshock therapy and stuff like that and it's it, that's probably not what they're like in most cases so I think it was it was quite well handled um but yeah not not particularly deep I would say what were we talking about Robin Hood men in tights yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> um, I got I got I got twenty minutes into the miseducation of Cameron Post and I never I never got back round to it. I wasn't hating it. I just I think I started watching it on the train and I just never picked it up again. So it's probably not worth kind of cracking on with it, no? Yeah. No, I, I feel like it's very much one of those films if you're watching it and you've got enough time to watch it to the end, it's fine. If if you stop halfway through, you will never come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I stopped a quarter way through, and I'm evidence of that. So yeah. All right. There's no, not enough to pull you back. Only the bits we watched, we obviously went to see Tenet again. Yeah, it was. I preferred it. No, I mean, obviously, I, I loved it on the first watch, but I think I got more out of it 
again on mm. the second watch um the the sound was better you could you could pick up more of what people were saying um having it on a smaller screen as well i think there was more of an opportunity to take everything in mm. um and also obviously once you know what happens you you get the satisfaction of going oh okay so that's why that looks weird and that's why that happens and um so yeah really enjoyed it on the second watch mm. yeah so that, that it, it, it's fantastic I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Noel in on yes. on um Tenet. So uh, Noel, I believe you liked it. I absolutely loved it. It was it, it was so so good. Um, I, I went into it not knowing intentionally having avoided a lot of stuff. I think I saw the very first trailer, uh, but I hadn't seen the more recent trailer, so I intentionally knew nothing about it. Um, and I think just as soon as it started just the the, the first scene is uh, the first sequence is just gripping stuff it really reminded me of the opening stuff in in um in the dark night just really hitting the ground running uh, with something engaging and interesting so it was be- it was immediately beautiful to look at it was immediately beautiful to listen to and i just obviously the only time i've been in a cinema recently uh, well, since lot the beginning of lockdown was to see 100% Wolf, so that doesn't really count. Um, but sitting down in a cinema and just being, I'm just feeling like I was in such good hands. I feel like I physically just relaxed and just went, okay, just just go, just take me wherever you're going. Um, and yeah, just having it all unfold bit by bit and. You know, I know it's a, th- a thing that sort of that people criticise Christopher Nolan for, but I like just having bits of a story drop out in front of me and just being taken in the director's direction. Um, and it was just fascinating. Um, I think the last... Um, I was a bit confused by the last act. I had to sort of give that some thought, the whole sort of red and blue team thing. Yeah. I'm still not entirely sure what they were doing. What I will say there <laughs> yes, is, is, is it makes so much more sense when you rewatch it. I thought it everything else, and you're like, right, yeah. okay, this is. It, 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 honestly, it, the second yeah. time, second time round, it felt like a completely different scene. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, that. But it feels like a film of, you know, it feels like a film of three acts where you've got that first act of. Um, you know, people turning up and explaining things and, and it taking you somewhere. And then the second act where it's all sort of unraveling and you're getting the, the, the sort of the action beats. And then obviously the, the sort of climactic bit where it's more about tying up the emotional strands and what's happening with, um, I don't know the actress's name, but what's happening with, with her character and her son and, and, the, and, and the stuff with, um, what's his name? Wow. Sorry, terrible names, you know what I mean. Uh, the bad guy. Branner, wow. yes. Um, so it feels like it's, uh, you know, a film of three very different acts. But like I say, I just immediately knew I was in good hands and just let let myself go with it. And it was just such a rewarding experience. And I knew the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, I am fucking loving this now. And I know I'm going to love it even more the second time I watch it. So uh, it really worked on me, definitely. Good, good. Yeah, cracking. Uh, and the other one we watched was Ready or Not. We watched that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It landed on uh, on Sky, didn't it? And um, bounced on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's still really good fun. It's an awful lot of fun. I, the 
the turn of her partner. His, his little change of heart. His little change of heart is a little bit like... Well, I don't know, because he basically says to her, you're not going to be with me after this, are Yeah, you? it's a fair enough. I, I still think that, that they, they try and do a little bit too much at the end. Mm. It is good when they all start exploding, though. It is, it is a lot of fun when they all start exploding, yeah. It's a lot of fun, really, or not. It really is. And it's, they're doing the new Nightmare on Street set? Scream. Scream, that's it. They're doing the new Scream movie. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that, for sure. They get that mix of, of, of comedy and what's it very, done very well. I think as an actress as well, um, she's she's very good at the whole horror comedy bit. Yeah. She's very good in Babysitter. She's very good in this. She's she, she's, she's got that good balance. She's very charming to be around. Isn't she, she is, but she's, she's funny, nice to look at and can be scared. And that's what you need for someone that's in a horror comedy. Yeah. And she's fairly badass as well in both films. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's all we've got. Yeah. Ian, what you've been watching? Um, well, I tell you what, I'm uh, I'm I'm mindful of Noel's time, so um, should we was... sorry, <laughs> should we new mutant it? Let's uh, let's new mutant it. So, stop fear bear. The new mutants <laughs> is directed by Josh Boone. It is a real film. It exists. What, what, what if when we start reviewing it, we realise we've all seen a different movie? Well, we'll find out now. And we may well have, because Noel had a different reaction to me, I think. Um, <laughs> stars Blue Hunt. What? I'll try saying that three times fast. <laughs> um, Blue Hunt, Blue Hunt, Blue Hunt. Oh, there you go. All right, that was an anticlimax. Um, Maisie Williams, Charlie Heaton, Alice Braga... Anya Taylor Joy, um, skin job number five four three, Brazilian edition, um, and uh, I think that's it really, isn't it? Is that every single one? Uh, pretty much. There's the uh, the doctor as well. Alice oh, Braga. Alice Braga. Did you say her? Sorry. Yeah. 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 Where do so I know I think... her from? Do I know? Was she in quarantine? No. Uh, I know her from. Ah, oh, fuck, she's... The, what the fuck is Alice Braga in? Uh, she was in City of God, wasn't she? Like, back in the day. In City of God, uh, I Am Legend. I Am Legend. Blindless, Reaper, Men, Predators, Elysium. I'm trying to think of what's the one that stands out. She has been in stuff. Yeah. I knew I recognised her. She's been in stuff without really being in anything. Yeah, she's been stuff without actually ever, you know, having that's the breakout role. Yeah, yeah. And continuing that trend is is the new <laughs> mutants. Um, so uh, what is it? Uh, a bunch of mutants in hospital. Um, Alice Braga appears to be the only employee. Um, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm um, glad you brought that up. I noticed that. Yeah, because I already go on. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. She's in charge of no all orderlies anywhere. Nope, nope. Um, the, the skin job does all the cooking and the washing up. Yeah, um, he's the only one who seems to have a job, and he's the rich one. <laughs> yeah, but um, he seems fine with it. <laughs> that he seems, he seems pretty happy pooling along with his fucking um, with his headphones on, doesn't he? Like, yeah. to be fair, that girl coming in was probably the worst thing that ever happened to him. He, he seems to be all right. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, okay, so they're all in there. Alice Braga's watching over them. Um, she's basically all a proof that you're good and will get you to my um, superior's facility. They all think it's going to be uh, James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart, but no, it's fucking not. It's a wrong one because they're being trained to be wrong ones. Um, and so Blue Hunt um, has to convince them all that they should all get out of there while also having a surprisingly progressive relationship with Maisie Williams. Um, so this film was made uh, before the, the before the bad times, uh, far before the bad times. Um, it was, uh, I believe, it was filmed in 2018. Um, it is now with us um, a year after Dark Phoenix seemed to signal the end of uh, this franchise. And here comes New Mutants, which had some stuff that was alluding to fucking Logan in it. Mm. Um, anybody notice that? Like the... The Essex Corporation. Yeah, and just yeah. like that footage that they showed of what they did at the other facility or whatever it is, I thought was that footage from Logan of like the stuff that that nurse films. Yeah. I, thought, um, uh, I, I didn't pick up on that, but now you've mentioned it, I, I can go. Oh, that... yeah. So they were obviously trying to do some stuff. Obviously the Essex corporation is in the post credit tag of apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, they were trying to do some stuff, and yet here it is. Um, Josh Boone has said, fair play, they didn't do any fucking reshoots because they obviously weren't interested, so this is my cut. Um, Mark, what did you think of Josh, Josh Boone's Blue Hunt cut? <sighs> it's an odd one, really. It, it's a very small-scale film. Like, like you say, it, it seems almost like... Because it was shot a while ago, before we knew that it was going to be dumped all over. Mm. Yet it still seems a little bit like they were already kind of dumping all over it. Like, Boone's there going, right, um, that's what I needed. I need all of this to do this. Like, no, you're allowed allowed six actors. That is it. Uh, And it felt a little bit like that. Um, I do like that about it, though, that it's very capturing. I I like the fact that it's capturing. It's all set in one place, majority Mm. of love. And I, I liked that um, that element out there. I thought all the uh, the characters interacted quite well together. They were all okay, but all crap in equal measures in the same way. <laughs> yeah. um, they were all a bit mad, but you've got to remember this is an X Men movie, so they're all supposed to be a little bit mad there. Um, it it's short, which is always great because movies should be about ninety odd minutes long. Movies like this, but. I actually was having a, I had a decent enough time with it mm. until Fear Bear. You weren't keen on the Fear Bear. I literally, when it came out, I was like, so wait a minute, the bad guy is an imaginary Fear Bear. As opposed it's to a, a real Fear Bear. <laughs> and it just made me feel a little bit like, right, <laughs> okay, That's me. Fear Bear. Fear Bear. Fear Bear's quite scary. He is. It's very big bear. He is. Right? But all she has to do is wake up. And then just say, I don't need you anymore, Fear Bear. No, but he's a manifestation of all of her 
of yeah. all of her problems and fears and self-conscious you she know, doesn't look stuff. like she's had that many fears to have that level of fear bear. She killed her entire community. Yeah, but she didn't know that she killed her entire community. So how could she have that fear bear? And to be fair, the fear bear killed the community. Killed the community. So yeah. she already had that fear for the fear bear to be that big. It just seems like for all of the other X-Men that we've seen so far, we have shooty eyes guy can change into things guy can lift metal can literally create a fear bear that can kill a town in fairness though those movies that feature all those guys all those guys like shooty eyes guys shooty eyes guy do you want to see another one of those films well, i don't i like <laughs> fear bear but it, it I, yeah the fear bear weirded me out a little but bit they, they do i mean to be fair to be fair to new mutants they do say you're the most powerful one. That's well, why I've got to fucking kill you. Single one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They said that in every single one. Every single one has this is the most powerful mutant we've seen. Well, that's because they keep making the same film. They keep making Dark Phoenix. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, Please we've, we've never seen fear power like this. It's like really, really? Because because we've seen it like six times. <laughs> uh, but. In spite of all that, I had a good time with it. <laughs> yeah. And you said that Joy's scary arm was good. Yeah. Mm. And the oh, fact that she disappeared to a limbo place. Yeah. I quite liked that. Yeah. That was cool. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? She just <laughs> fucking paid. Yeah. He's Charlie Heaton to deal with it. I, 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 I thought he was all right, Charlie Heaton, on all of his angst there about going down in the mines and killing his dad. I, I was all right with that. The, the Brazilian kid had no effect on anybody. He's never going to be in anything again, except probably a young adult Netflix thing when he's about 35, still trying to play a 19-year-old. He's not bad, he's not bad in it. His performance is fine. He's the most forgettable thing I've ever seen. But I, I, but it was fine. I had a good enough time with it. I could have watched them hanging out was so much more fun than the other ones hanging out in... Um, is it X-Men... Is it first class? Yeah. Where they all show each of their powers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That, New Mutants, and them hanging out, watching uh, DVDs of Buffy, was loads more fun than that. The Buffy thing bothered me. Why? But they have DVDs of Buffy. Because it was very much like, oh, there's some sexual tension between Maisie Williams' character and Blue Hunt's character. Did, did you catch that? There's some, there's some sexual tension there. That Maisie Williams is a little bit gay. Uh, Maisie Williams likes her. Oh, to really fucking hammer it home, we're gonna show a scene. From I, yeah, that was a little like, heavy-handed. That for me was just like, oh, really? They all, they all, as fuck. They also they showed all. the creatures that uh, yeah. from Buffy were clearly the basis of the design for the smiley face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, really, really? You I mean, you really trust your audience that little that you no, need. But- I, I I get that, and but <laughs> he's gonna be defending a movie that he likes the least of all. No 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 yeah no I do and to be I I don't know I'm kind of the more the, the more you guys are talking about it the more I'm thinking maybe I was a bit a little bit rough on it but I think if it was just that bit and then the rest of the film it was all kind of them looking at each other but never really doing anything that I would be critical of it but the fact that this is a you know not Marvel Studios but still a Marvel film 
that was to be part of like the X-Men universe that had that relationship between Blue Hunt and Maisie Williams, I thought was, I actually thought it was quite touching. I'll be honest. That, it was that, very well, it was very well done and it was very surprised. I was surprised by it. I didn't expect it. Yeah. It I mean, that, that bit, really the well gravestones. Done. Yeah. That, that scene I thought was lovely. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. Um, and it also did when it was intercutting with skin job and Anya Taylor joy. And I was thinking like, fuck it. This is a horny film. What's going on here? Like, why are they suddenly just getting it on? And then it faked you out with it. Not actually being Anya Taylor joy. It was like, shit, do you know what? Fair play film. You tricked me. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. well done. Um, I will just say as well, Anya Taylor joy, they can bring her back. Like, I thought she was an awful lot of fun, even though I will be o- open right now. I, I, there, there are elements of how Mark reacts to Rosamund Pike and Gone Girl with me to Anya Taylor Joy in this film. <laughs> she can fucking send me to Limbo for twenty years if she wants to. That's fine. Hiya, Don. Sorry. Could I have my what? Help. Tech help. Tech help. What's up? I shall return. No. Yeah. What are your feelings on it? So well, yeah. Uh, so I I had a really good time with it, and I don't know how much of that is based on the film, or how much of it I was just excited to be in a cinema watching a comic book movie. Um. I thought it was great. I thought I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think um, one of the things that I've gone on about for a long time, and I bring it up every time, is this idea of, of you know, comic book movies don't need to be expensive. They don't need to be um, big in scale. They don't all need to be Avengers Endgame. Um I feel like we're moving increasingly towards a world that is starting to understand that. Uh, We've had Joker. We're getting a Batman film, which, yes, it's probably very expensive, but is 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 smaller in scale. Um, We've had Logan, obviously. Um, And the one thing that I've talked about quite a lot is just this idea of let's have something that feels small and is self-contained and is just about some people. Um, and their powers and dealing with themselves and, the, and and that is exactly what this is so I have absolutely no reason to to, to find complaint in that um, I think it proves the rule that you don't have to connect things to other things I think it proves the rule once again that you can have one-off standalone adventures for individual characters I think it proves the rule that superhero movies don't need to fit within the the, the genre of superhero movies. Sorry, I'm uh, having trouble shit. hearing you. Sorry, shut up. Watch. Um, Fucking Apple Watch. We all, we all have that. Because <laughs> I wear it loose on my hand, so I always press the button when I move my wrist. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, so it do, it proves that rule. It proves that you can have all of those things. Um, I think yes. On the one hand, it's clear that. It's a film that maybe is not in an unfinished state, but has sort of been assembled and maybe it it could have been given more time to, yeah. to be polished up around the edges. I get that. I see that. 
but actually what it does is it just puts four um sorry five um four five hang on let me count one two three four five yeah that's five uh that contradicts what i'm about to say it puts these five interesting characters one of which i just forgot about um in this space and it just goes all right well who are these people and what are their issues and problems and how do they differ from one another and how do they clash and how do we get beyond that and how do they sort of come together how are they forced to come together um i thought everybody in it was was great um i i think the um the guy who we're referring to as kind of a skin job here i think he started out awful um i was a bit worried i think the first scene where they're all sat around um in that sort of session and he's just sort of um sat there being the sort of jock type i was a bit like oh fucking hell this is going to be a very two-dimensional character but actually as it went on his whole arc was quite interesting the fact that he did what he did and is dealing with that in his head um i thought was great um anya taylor joy i think her arch was fantastic the fact that um her arch was definitely fantastic sorry, her arc was fantastic um the fact that she starts off a little bit like the, the it reminded me a little bit of the character from the first happy birthday uh sorry happy death day um <laughs> uh from the first happy death day movie where she starts out and i'm like i don't like this person but then actually the point of it is you don't like her and you're gonna get to like her mm. um yeah. not to the same extent but it was a similar kind of thing um Maisie Williams was great in it like Ian sort of said I I think the um the actress who was opposite her whose name I'm going to look for now Blue uh, Hunt bland as shit yeah she was she was she was pretty bland she was about she was the least interesting one for me definitely but I think the fact that she had Maisie Williams to anchor her a little bit helped definitely helped um and yeah, I just really enjoyed seeing all of these sort of really troubled people bashing up against each other, but then being forced to deal with something. And the fact that actually what they were, the thing that brought them, the thing that the thing that forced them to deal with their problems was actually this new person being introduced to the group and actually just, you know, forging a team without actually blatantly forging a team was kind of the the overall thing of the film um it's got a little bit of a young adult edge to it which i wasn't crazy about but again it sort of proves that you can you can play with comic book movie comic book movies in a in a range of ways and just try things out um and I, 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 I liked it a lot. I had a great time with it. I think it's probably got cult hit written all over it as well. I don't think it'll be a film that'll be forgotten. I think it's a film that people will go back to. And I think actually people will, maybe not immediately, but I think people in a few years' time will look upon it quite favourably. Yeah, I um, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I and forgive me, I just um, spent a couple of minutes getting divorced from my wife for um, talking about um, Anya Taylor-Joy like that. Um, but um, I, it was the fact that, it, like you you were saying, oh, it kind of did feel a little bit cobbled together. It felt mm-hmm. like a film that literally 
had been on a shelf for two years and no one had looked at it at all. Um, but that and, can and, work for a film like this. You can't. You couldn't get away with that if it was a Marvel movie. It, it, yeah, I mean, no, no, and it, no, and I mean, I get it. And uh, to be honest, I think if it had more attention uh, attention paid to it, then maybe some some of the bits. I mean, unfortunately, the Blue Hunt and Maisie Williams relationship may well have been like filed down a little bit more. And I'm glad it was what it was here. Um, but it's more like there was a scene where the scene where Anya Taylor-Joy straight up tries to kill Blue Hunt. And then the very next scene, it's Blue Hunt going to Anya Taylor-Joy's room and they're just having a, like quite a calm conversation. Um and it just like it that like really was just a bit of like fucking whiplash. Um, Alice Bragger's character, it was like she seemed to have misgivings about needing to kill Blue Hunt, and then she kind of like aggressively swung the other way. And by the time she was like nearly killed, she was just basically fucking screaming at them. I liked that. She wasn't the big bad. It wasn't that she was going to turn into a mutant. And it turned out she was the worst mutant of them all or anything like that. I'm glad it was. Nope. She gets killed by dream bear. Mm. That's fine. Um, I think it's it, 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 literally called dream bear. That's, oh, is it? Actually, it's, real, it? it's demon bear. Isn't it? Demon bear. Yeah, sorry, demon demon bear. bear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought as as a curio, as this kind of unloved, odd piece of work, I think it works well. And I, I know what you were saying there about it being a cult film, 100%. And I think, you know, frankly, there's going to be a lot of like young teenage girls who, if they see this film, I think may well legitimately be a little bit life changing. And that's awesome that's honestly really really cool um but it just as a as a film it felt a little bit shonky a little bit wonky but i am not for one minute gonna say it's one it it, will be like one of the worst films of the year it won't if this is one of the worst films of the year you haven't seen enough films um it, it it just it didn't it didn't really work for me and i'll i'll also say when it came up with the 15 certificate at the start, I was like, fucking hell. I actually honestly didn't know what the certificate of this is. That's interesting. And then it, it, it felt like a very weak 15 to me. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's a, I, I think I was expecting a little bit more of a, um, like an X-Men, like, but almost like a horror movie vibe off it. And you didn't really get that. Even like the faces coming out of the walls thing, which was like really used in marketing. It's not there. No, it wasn't. No. You know, and it, it's it, it felt like it, it just pulled its punches a bit. I, even though, I mean, the, the, the girl on fire in the pool, I thought that was like really good, creepy imagery. The smiley face thing. Yeah. All right. It's derivative. But, you know, it was fairly creepy. Um it, it but it just yeah i it's i i i ranked it on letterbox to two out of five i think maybe 2.5 is perhaps more appropriate if i'm thinking about our scale i think i would actually give it touching cloth as opposed to definitely shit i think that the, the film does enough to not be shit but 
I don't think as a recommend generally, I don't think I'd recommend it. But if you're so inclined, then you may well like get what Noel and Mark obviously got out of it. And and, and Bex, I'm I'm ever so sorry. Have we have we thrown to you yet, Bud? No, but I think I think pretty much everything has been has been covered. It was it was enjoyable enough for me, and I yeah, I think it's it's interesting to watch the whole kind of mutant thing obviously we, we had it to an extent with logan but watch the whole mutant thing from a different angle like the x-men movies are very glossy and very superhero-y and and yes they do deal with other elements of it but it's under that glossy sheen and to see it done in a bit more of a a low-key kind of way was was really quite interesting um hated anya taylor joy's character to start off with but like Noel was saying before, I think you meant to, and then you kind of meant to gradually empathise with her. She's obviously been through some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Maisie Williams is just kind of adorable as a character throughout. She's just, she's a nice girl that has a lot of Catholic guilt and turns into a dog occasionally. Like it's, she's not, she's not a bad person, and and they're all just struggling bloody Catholics. with bloody Catholics. <laughs> Um, they're all obviously just struggling with coming to terms with, with this stuff. And I think seeing in seeing that represented in this kind of more raw way was, was a really interesting way to kind of actually see it. I, just, I wish it had come out when it was intended to, because I think if it, if it had been given a bit more love by the people that made it, the material there, you know, it could have been really good and we could have been seeing a follow up to it with the same group of characters and we just will not see that see that's the thing i I, like i i loved being with these characters and being with these people in that place and seeing this happen but at the same time the the idea that they might now be out in the world and, and, and a sequel whereby you know they'd be out looking like to find ways to earn money and trying not to get trapped and, and being on the run and the Essex Corporation is looking for them and what are they doing to survive? I think that's a fascinating idea. I'd love yeah. to watch that. That's um, kind of like an expansion on on the kids at the end of Logan, isn't it? Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah, I'd, just, I'd watch that film. And having, having mutants out in the world, having these new mutants out in the world and having them go through all that, maybe you then, I mean, I don't know how it would possibly work but maybe you then turn that into all right well how do these guys end up uh in the care of professor xavier's school or do they do some of them end up going over to magneto well you know i mean i don't know how you do that because those characters the 20th century characters are are gone and and i don't know how the timelines would work you know not that timelines ever really mattered to those films anyway but um, do do shit. Disney have got a cash cow. Do Harry Potter, but mutants. <laughs> yeah. The mutating school of mutants. Yeah. Is that? Do we not already have that? Is that not Xavier Crosses? I feel like we do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's but no. Like have like that not Magneto first House and Xavier House and then Snugglepuff <laughs> House and yeah. Schninkel Shrink class which don't really matter well, and that's the thing. i don't know what the plan was with this i don't know if that's did they want to did they want this to meet up with the yeah it was supposed to be two standalone movies and then one movie that linked up with uh x-men 
God, they really, they, that's, that's some fucking crazy confidence. I can't believe 20th Century Fox didn't realise that their X-Men franchise was already dying on its ass that they'd be able to do two of these and then bring them into the... That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Well, no, I mean, it was interesting because Josh Boone originally said that he wanted to do a trilogy of these and each would be kind of like of a, a different, different horror genre. genre. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and that would have been fucking fascinating, you know, because yeah. they kind of like almost like the asylum kind of thing that they do here. Mm. You know, that that work, you know, that works quite well, really. Um, and then if the next one was, I mean, well, I say quite well, I thought it was touching cloth, but, you know, it, 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 as as a standalone like weird ya horror piece and if the next one was them i don't know in like a the next town along they keep on talking about how the next town's 20 miles and it's like yeah. if it's the next one's them at the next town and then it's i like i don't know getting kind of like carpentry or something with like yeah. a siege film in a town yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Get them there in a hotel and like you say it becomes a little bit like i saw on precinct 13 yeah 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 you know i mean it, it's they could have done some interesting shit here. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a shame. And um, I feel like they've realised halfway through making it that the X Men franchise was kind of dead, and then just fucking dumped it. I mean, you mean they watched the Daily of Dark Phoenix and went Dark Phoenix? Oh, I've made a huge wank, mistake. Yeah, yeah. Dark Phoenix has got that Hans Zimmer score, which honestly, just thinking about that rocket going up at the start of Dark Phoenix and that score fucking blaring, pretty much want to jerk off right now, guys. I'll be honest. It doesn't save the film though, and this one's got Anya Taylor Joy in it, so. Um. Well. Yeah. All right. That's a fair point. I mean, it, like, yeah, I would go to limbo. Okay, go to limbo for 50 years yes mistress you know what? <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yeah touching cloth um definitely not shit yeah i've talked myself i got definitely not shit yeah definitely not shit, yeah. uh our audience poll was um definitely not shit 25 percent touching cloth 25 percent Shit, 33%. And Geostorm, brackets, it doesn't exist, 17%. Well, Cineworld still thinks it doesn't exist. All the way no, it's through on. it. It's on, no. It's on that. Cineworld is now there, look. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Thing is, I don't, I don't think that I would... I would definitely never go back and watch X-Men Dark Phoenix. I <laughs> probably wouldn't go back and watch X-Men Apocalypse, even though I enjoyed it at the time. Days of Future Past, I don't think I'd touch. X-Men First Class, I've watched it a couple of times. I don't think I'd go back. I'm looking forward to re-watching The New Mutants, and I think I'll probably watch it quite a few times. Yeah. So I, I think it's just... I like it as this kind of like weird little genre anomaly. So. I mean, seriously, is this Dark Phoenix or is this Interstellar? It's a very good one, isn't it? Doesn't save the shitty film. Doesn't save the film, but it's a very good score. Here we go. Would I watch it again, and would I watch a sequel? The answer to both those questions for me are yes. To New Mutants, yeah. 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 Not, not to Dark Phoenix. It's the type of film. It's the type of th- it's the type of film that I would like to sit around and talk about what a sequel could be. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. and and that's a sign for me that I got something out of it and I want more. But 
maybe it's just because I know I'm not going to get more that, that, that I want it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I might watch Dark Phoenix again this week. It's that fucking score. <laughs> you try jerking off to the beat of that, you rip your dick off. On next week's show, we find out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be something for the death certificate, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, course of death, violent masturbation due to Hans Zimmer. <laughs> um, um <laughs> fucking hell. Um, no, did you did you want to shoot off or do you want to uh, listen into the She Dies? No, tomorrow? I'll duck off because I'm I I am definitely going to watch She Dies tomorrow, so I'll watch it and then I'll listen to the, what's coming next. Okay. You're just trying to make pizza, are you? Well, there is that as well. Yeah, there's always pizza to be made. <laughs> Dark Phoenix is actually on uh, Disney Plus as well, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Is it? I think so. Can you jerk off to something if you're watching it on Disney Plus? Does that not create some kind of weird? <laughs> you're never allowed to go to Disneyland. I'm, no, pretty sure, not... I'm pretty sure Disney come round to your house and take your TV away. I reckon, yeah. Nah, what they, they they do some preventative measures like Mickey Mouse just like hey, appears on screen there? and just goes, ha ha! What are you doing in there? Shut up, Yeah, Ian, Dick Dark Phoenix is on uh, Disney Plus. Well, Get ready to give me a see a talking to. <laughs> Let's go. Right. Thank you very much, Noel. Thank uh, you, Noel. We're, we're, folks. We are doing a playing it forward a week Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, and, uh, tales of the tape that coming as well. There'll be a couple yep. of those in the post. And uh, yeah, loads more. There we go. Enjoy your piece, Robin Noel. Nice one. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Bye. Bye. Um. So, shall I do my what, what I've watch? been watching? Yeah. And then we'll, uh, we'll 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 settle in. Seriously, that Dark Phoenix score is a fucking banger. I just I remember I remember being in the super screen, just like ready to watch this film, thinking like this is going to be shit. This is going to be a piece of shit. And then when it was had that rocket thing at the start with that Hans Zimmer score blaring, I was like, I can't hate this. What no matter what happens now, I can't hate this. Like, it's not a good film, is Dark Phoenix, but, but you wouldn't give it another go because of what is it? Because of the score, yeah, yeah, and I will, yeah. I will. Um, okay, so I have been watching. Um, first time watch. Um, so HMV had a two for twenty pound on four K sale, which was like, it's not bad. Um. And so I bought Philadelphia um, because oh, nothing 4K. Yeah, on a 4K disc. Why does that mean 4K? But fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd never seen Philadelphia. It's a 4K transfer and an Atmos soundtrack. Because <laughs> it just seems like like. An odd film to do that. An odd film, like of all the films there to pick out of and go, right, what can we put a, what can we do a four K disc of? Uh Philadelphia. Yeah, it's not on that. Hmm. So yeah, I mean there's a there's a bit of a 
there's a bit of a trend here. So the Blank Check podcast, I've talked about it a lot on this show and I really like it. Um, and they they do filmographies and whatnot. And so a lot of the time when they have uh, when they talk about films that I haven't seen, I watch the film so I can listen to the podcast. Um, and that that that's a bit of a trend for me this week. And um, they did a demi filmography thing a while back, and it was it was pretty cool because they they do a thing every year. They do a March Madness thing where they get people to vote on like one of the directors they'll cover. And Jonathan Demi won last year. Mm. Um, and they're they're really interesting ones because he's got such a a varied filmography. And the fact that he followed up Silence of the Lambs with Philadelphia is um a hell of a thing you know it, it he took the he basically had the blank check after silence of the lambs and what did he do he got tom hanks and Denzel washington to star in a, a actually a, a fucking hit film about aids um and it, it's got the kind of the lived in demi thing uh which it's just incredibly touching. There's nothing necessarily mawkish about this film. It all just feels real. So for those who haven't seen it, it's basically a um, uh, a young lawyer doing very, very well for his firm, played by Tom Hanks, is fired um, for uh, apparently losing, uh, a, a losing an important document, and they basically fire him for incompetence. Um, he engages Denzel Washington, who's a kind of like a uh, no win, no fee kind of lawyer. Um, but he's flashy to represent him um, to basically sue for wrongful dismissal because of discrimination, uh, because of AIDS. But he hadn't told the firm that he had that he has AIDS. Um, and I, I just I, I, I yeah, I thought it was cracking the. Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks, it does a very, very uh, interesting thing here where they never necessarily have a heart to heart. Um, It's more Denzel initially literally recoils when Tom Hanks tells him that he's got AIDS. And -hmm. like the next scene, he goes to his doctor and he's like, you know, can can I get it from like touching people, basically? And it's like, how can you be sure I've got to go and hug my baby girl tonight? And I want to make sure the six months down the line, it's not like, oops, you know, and it, it, it paints that picture of what people thought about people with AIDS um, to an extent. That I, I, you know, I, I haven't really had personal experience with like the AIDS crisis. I was too young to really remember it, but it just paints it as this fucking scary time when prejudice came to the fore and it's like it's denzel washington it's fascinating and apparently he received an awful lot of shit from the black community for being in a film spotlighting the aids crisis um and his it's a very brave character to portray because he never necessarily says i'm sorry to hanks or i was wrong or anything like that he is bigoted and it's really uncomfortable scenes where he's talking to his wife about how bigoted he is and how he's just like fine with that he just doesn't like gay people and you know you there are people in the world now who say that and maybe people who want like over the last 20 years or so have kept their light under a bushel who are now probably getting more of an opportunity to say that kind of shit because of the way that the world's going. Um, 
and um yeah it, it, it's the fact that there's an awful lot of stuff that's unsaid here and the moment that they really seem to connect and understand each other is this really impressionistic sequence where Tom Hanks is talking about uh, uh, an aria he's listening to. And there's some really interesting shit going on with the lighting where it's just all red, um, which isn't happening in the scene. And uh, afterwards, like Denzel doesn't really say anything to him, but he just seems to understand him and relate to him. Mm. Um and yeah, it, it I, I will say Antonio Banderas basically playing the hottest man alive in this <laughs> film. Um, but his relationship with Hanks is incredibly sweet. Um, and, and, you know, just little moments as well. Like there's a bit where Mary Steenburgen does this horrible fucking thing to Tom Hanks to kind of screw him over with with a mirror and then just sits down. and It's just like, I, I hate this case. And it's like, OK she's human she hates this case but also fuck you you're still doing this case Mm. um you know it's such a moment of sympathy but then also actually no hang on a second you know you know there's this kind of like three-dimensionality to it even though it's just literally one line of dialogue which i thought was really interesting um uh yeah i mean uh hell of a film hell of a film and i mean fucking hell man it's the literally the opening credits you got Bruce Springsteen singing Streets of Philadelphia over it and it's like I I think I'm in safe hands here and you are for two hours. It, 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 it's a really good film. It, it, it's what it's weird. It's like you go back now and look at it and it, and it, it's it's the it's Tom Hanks film. But like this was this closely followed by Boris Gump was, was, was essentially what made Tom Hanks. He'd mm. been a you know a, a very sort of like successful but a successful character actor by that point yeah no absolutely i mean it's like literally you've got um you've got philadelphia and um and and uh forrest gump one year then the next year yeah you know that that shit crazy um so yeah um philadelphia remarkable film uh next uh on the docket for me um so again blank check recently done a mini series on gina prince bifewood and uh so i've now seen three of her four films so the old guard which obviously we reviewed on the show uh, a few weeks back um and i went back and watched uh love and basketball her first film um uh starring omar epps and uh sana lengthen uh lefan 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 um so this is uh, early noughties, I believe, I believe it was literally the year 2000, um, distributed by New Line, um, who were making a, 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 lot of, a, a lot of films for a black audience um, at the time. And um, this, this seems to be a very big, a, a very big culturally important film um, for, for black audiences in, in the US. And it's easy to see why. Um, it's very, very, very it, it focused on black relationships and um, uh, how black families operate. Um, it, it, you know, it's a very, very big basketball film. And um, it I've, I thought it was fucking fascinating. Um, so basically, Omar Epps and Sana Lathan kind of know each other um, from childhood 
They both want to be um, big basketball stars. And the film is divided into quarters where it kind of it goes through different years in their lives as they get together, drift apart and may or may not get together at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I thought Omar Epps, it's a little bit obvious where his character arc is going. Um, you know, it just in terms of sports movie kind of stuff. But I, I thought he was very good. But Lathan, uh, I thought, was uh, it was fantastic. Um, incredibly driven personality, but not cold. Um, you, you know, she's not just saying basketball's my everything. It's basketball's my everything, but I also very much have time for other people and whatnot. I, I, I really like that. Um, yeah, again, like like Philadelphia and like Demi's work, um, I think Brince Byfordwood is... Um, she gets her characters. Um, she creates worlds that do feel lived in. And you look at the old guard and just the, the, the like how settled in all their relationships are with each other. Um, it, 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 it's it, it very well done there. Um, and it, and it is here as well. Um, but I think her best out of the three that I've seen is, uh, is beyond the lights, uh, 2014 film which uh, basically didn't get released over here, but it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, so this stars uh, Gugu and Buffer Raw uh, along with Nate Parker. So um, Nate Parker, who has since been Cancel. frankly cancelled, um, uh, basically after revelations. Fascinating that. I mean, like, so he directed and starred in uh, The Birth of a Nation, which was, I, I like the, at the time, the most money ever uh, ever spent to buy a film at Sundance, and then between that and its big release, and it, it, it was literally being. It was at the time before it was released. It was literally being touted as this will win Best Picture at the next Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah. it was like it was the big deal. Um, and then, bang! All these allegations come out, and the film was brushed under the carpet. Um, it played LFF. Um, and it did play some it did play some festivals, but Fox kind of seems to go, oh, fuck, we bet our money on the wrong horse here. And away it went. Um, I've never seen it. And I I don't I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it's separating art from the artist. And it kind of feels like may, maybe you should watch it because people seem to like it. But anyway, so story on this one. Uh, Gugu and Baffer Raw plays a pop star uh, known uh, me. Um, who um, her mother, played by Minnie Driver. Minnie Driver is really fucking good in this. Really fucking good in this. I mean, they all are, but Minnie Driver, like, if this film got the attention, it maybe probably should have got Best Supported Actress buzz, no problem. Um, but yeah, she plays a um, star whose mum kind of brings her up. Um, she um has just won her first uh, award like a billboard award um collaborating with a uh, a rapper played by machine gun kelly um and uh, she basically goes to a hotel nate parker plays a policeman who's basically like guarding her door she says let no one in a couple minutes later mini driver comes up says i'm her mum lets her in Gugu and Baffa Raw is out at the balcony about to kill herself. Nate Parker talks her down and then it kind of focuses on their relationship where you've got this guy um, who also kind of, he wants to kind of get into politics. His dad played by Danny Glover 
is like you can't get involved with a pop star um but um he's attracted to her she's attracted to him it goes on from there um it it's I, 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 I feel like, okay, A Star Is Born is a remake of a couple other films, but I feel like Bradley Cooper fucking must have watched this. Um, the presentation of Nomi just feels like what they do with Ali in A Star Is Born. And it's, it, it, again, it's got the, like, really focusing on their relationship and just them and kind of like the whole kind of like fuck the world kind of aspect that they have in in a star is born for portions of it in beyond the lights gugu and bafaror is re- is very very fucking good in there she's got to go to some emotional places and she she hits them um and uh yeah i i, I was really quite taken with it it's um it's one of those films where people say like oh beyond the lights was the best film of blah that no one saw and you kind of think like yeah all right fucking chill it out shut the fuck up but then i watched it it was like do you know yeah do you know what yeah more people should have seen it 100 percent. yeah um so uh yeah beyond the lights it's really really worth a watch and if you liked the latest iteration of a star is born it's basically essential viewing nice um so i'll, I'll be getting to that because it's on i think it's on prime isn't it yeah it's on prime yeah, yeah it's on prime it's this week yeah I'd, I'd be intrigued to see what you guys think of it it's fucking good um and uh love and basketball i rented it off itunes so I, i've seen that um well i'm sorry when it came out i think mm. yeah it's um i like junior prince Bible. she did the secret life of bees as well which i want to catch up with um but yeah she's she's fucking interesting um so yeah okay so uh last uh last kind of feature of the evening let's talk she dies tomorrow uh directed by amy simetz and stars caitlin shield uh jane adams chris messina um josh lucas and uh others uh michelle rodriguez uh with the best last line she will ever have um I like trees. I'm really going to miss them. Brilliant. Um, she Dies Tomorrow is... Director based... cameo as well. Sorry? We have a director cameo as well, don't we? Oh, uh, what did she play? Who did she play? Uh, a, dire- a director cameo. Uh, Adam Wingard shows up, doesn't he? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Amy Simons was in it. Yeah, uh, Wingard shows up for a scene as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Amy Simons starred in Pet Cemetery basically said thank you i will take my money for this and i'm going to make a film with it fucking a good honor um so essentially there is some sort of mysterious virusy type thing where if people are told by another person that they're gonna die tomorrow it then kind of gets the kernel of that idea in their head and then they start obsessing over it and then they become convinced that they're going to die tomorrow and then they just kind of need to tell other people about it and it kind of spreads from there i think that's probably as much of a synopsis as i really need to give right becky you didn't like it 
No. <laughs> I was very disappointed as well because I, I I went into this really wanting to like it and thinking it looked very interesting and it, it was interesting for about five minutes and then it was just shit. <laughs> Don't miss words there, Vex. Didn't like it. Fair enough. It just... I don't mind like arty films. I, I actually quite like good art house movies. It's just this isn't one of them. It really wants to be. It's really super keen to be, but it's not. It has nothing to say. And it's just bobbing. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't really have an awful lot else to say about it. It's so vacuous that, that it doesn't deserve any more being said about it, oh, it, it really has yeah because i was i was kind of rooting for it i really wanted it to be good and it's just it's let me down mark um i, I think i'm I, i'm definitely more i was definitely more into it than you was at x I think the cat was probably more into it than I was. So yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of flashing lights going on. So um, the first 16 minutes of it, because I paused it and said, "Are you didn't have X when someone actually started talking and went." Literally, no one spoke until this moment, and it's 16 minutes in. I Does was... that include the bit where she stood in a badly fitted fucking sequin dress, pouring at trees? I was into it. That, I was okay, into okay. it at that point. I was well into it. The fact that I was like, right, this is great. It, it, it's, and then she goes back into what is it? Um, back into the house and sees all the the colours, and the, you get the. It's a very overused imagery, but it still works. Of the um, the red and then the blue and the, what is it? it, it, it it's it's very um, it, it's very Gaspar Noé. In that sense, he uses that a lot in his movies. Mm. Uh, a lot of filmmakers have used it in what is it, but as an art, as a specifically art house filmmaker who makes films about nothing, that's very much one that, that, that I kind of I got that vibe off it. I was getting that vibe in the first 16 minutes. Yeah. And then when you bring um, Jane Adams into it, uh, I was still digging it and I was still into it. And it added this different, weird kind of energy um, to it. Uh, and then she's just wandering around in, in her underwear and goes to see her, bro- uh, her brother. She's in her underwear, actually. PJ. PJ, sorry. PJ. Yeah, that's it. She's um, an angel of death in PJs. Yep. And then she goes to see um, her, her brother. And we get Jenny from the League. He's basically talking about dolphins and saying the same thing I've been saying about them for years. I didn't mind that section, actually. To be fair. And I'm all for it for that. And if it ends there, and it's a 40-minute movie, and it ends there, I'm fine with that. I, I, I had a great time with that. Uh, you get fucking Brian comes into it, and his just just dour demeanour yep. uh, of, of just accepting the fact that he's going to die. Brian. I, I get, Brian's great, but Brian doesn't look like he's having a good time anywhere before yeah. all yeah. this I, happens. I thought he'd already been infected. Yeah, Brian... Brian literally could be the epicenter of this. Mm. But then when we get her going fucking sand buggying at what appears to be midnight after fucking downing a few bottles of wine, 
Bella, great line of, we don't need you to relapse. I'm not relapsing. Well, I'm drinking, so yeah, I am, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great realisation moment. But then the, the second half of it, it tries to do stuff with story. Mm. It's like, say, no, 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 no. Yeah. You were doing fine with weird imagery and Jane Adams as a pyjama uh, um, angel of death. I was fine with that. But then... Like the fucking Brian turning his dad's machine off and bits like that. It, it was, it, it felt a bit meandering, but not in a cool way. Just yeah, in a, yeah. oh, you. Oh, this is happening now. You're awesome. trying to write more of a story yeah. and you don't need to. Yeah. You were cool with the imagery. Just stay in her back garden. It's fine. <laughs> she could have just stayed in that house, in that back garden. It's been fine. Just fly a pajama lady and around. And then. But one bit that really got me was the the first Wingard scene's fine, but then her getting stunned with Wingard and then going, "Oh, should we make out?" was a bit like, "This is just, this is just, it it feels wrong within this movie." It, it felt so heavily padded. It, yeah, it, it felt like it, it felt more like padding there. But then I liked the the last scene yeah. with yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, and what is it? I like that of, of her just wandering in, bleeding everywhere, and going, "Hey, can I go in that pool?" And I'm going, "Yeah." And then the "Yeah," uh, I'm going to miss trees, and then it ends. She's bleeding a lot. Yeah, as well, like but, when she gets in the pool. Yeah, but they're like cool with it. Yeah. It's. I, I went from being a. It was a bit shit, and I was I was maybe touching cloth with it. The more I think about it, the more it's going up and getting closer to a definitely not shit for me. See, the thing is, I think from the synopsis and from the trailer, it kind of gives you the idea that the way that she's feeling and the way that she communicates how she's feeling makes other people also question their mortality and think that they're going to die tomorrow. There's not that. Yeah. It's, it's just, I'm going to die tomorrow. All right, okay. So am I. Oh, gosh, so am I. It just, it's not like there's any kind of, they're not passing on like um, like issues with their own mortality. They're not they're not kind of making other people think about that. It's just oh, all right, okay, yeah, so am I. No, I've I heard that now, so so am I. I preferred that though. Oh, Ian, go on, because you really like this, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say it's like the film of the year or anything like that. And I I definitely think there are meandering bits and that the second half is not as good as the first when it tries to get into the looking into Caitlin Shale's kind of like like what has led her to this moment stuff. It is a little bit like I'm not that interested in that. Like I you know I don't care that you were on June buggies and shit. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I it was it was a collection of scenes, some of which I really liked and some of which I, I wasn't really that bothered by, more than a coherent narrative. Um and I mean like the the opening, I mean that initial bit where you first see the red and blue lights and she's kind of like walking towards and just the way that it's like it's strobing and her face looked fucking different depending on what color it was like it it, i thought that was awesome i really fucking like that and then the every single bit that jane adams was in i just thought was we like just bizarrely funny i like it just 
her whole bit with the um in in that party scene where Christmasina's sister obviously thinks she's a fucking bell end. Um and like that just how she chews her out about ruining her party. I just want to talk about dolphins fucking. It's my birthday, you know. It, 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 great. And then Jane Adams and Josh Lucas very much here for it. Fucking brilliant. Just like Josh Lucas, like almost putting her on the bed to do something with her. And it's like, I just want to go hug my wife and I'm just running out. <laughs> like fucking brilliant. Um, uh, it's the Brian and his girlfriend, like their relation, their dialogue together. Fucking love that. Uh, just the, when she's kind of like chewing him out in the car and he's just like, I don't think we need to be talking about this now. You know, um, the the whole, um, like, you didn't come to my birthday party. My dad had a stroke. Well, I thought you would have called or something. I really, really liked those bits. I mean, I'll never watch it again. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's there is no need to watch this film more than once. There's no fucking hidden meaning or anything like that, you know. Um, but while it was on, I just thought it was quite an interesting piece of work. Um, and, I mean, it, it's like, like New Mutants. I think it's one that I'd recommend if you're so inclined. Um, but, you know, if you've heard the synopsis or watched the trailer and you're like, yeah, nah, that's not for me. Yeah, don't bother. You know, um, and I, I, Bex, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry you obviously didn't get anything out of it. You know, I it's I I had fun with it. Fair. It, yeah. It just, it, do you know what? I I expected more from it. That's that's all it was. Actually, that's fair. <laughs> the the bits with the pajama lady were, were funny. That that was its its semi saving grace, but there wasn't enough of it. One thing I will say is um, it's not horror in any way. Oh, God, no. I, I don't know how you can even put it in that. It, it, I would say its closest genre is probably comedy. Yeah. Like dark comedy. Yeah, it's a dark yeah, comedy. Yeah. But there's no... It, let's say this played at, let's say, a Fright Fest or something like that. You'd be like, right, but there's no horror element to it no. in any way whatsoever. <laughs> No, I mean, like, the closest thing there is to a jump scare is the title card at the start, where it's very, very chill, and there's just very loud music for that card. Oh, when, when, when we get that same bit of, uh, of, of, of opera for, like, about 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. about that? Fucking hell. Can you imagine her neighbours? Fucking bitches put that fucking song on again. And then yeah. Jane goes home and puts the same fucking music on. Yeah. <laughs> that film should have ended with her dead. And Jane wearing a, a new leather jacket. Yeah, it should have ended with a new leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's just massive fan of that bit where she goes into the the guy talking about like how it, he can make a jacket. I just wanted her to say so badly. So if someone killed, like if I died, how long would I have to be? How long would I be able to stay without being taken in to be cured and whatnot? You know, like she wanted, like she just wanted to be a jacket. Or at least that's the impression I got. Did she want to be leather? She wanted to be leather. 
yeah a jacket yeah i like i like that scene where it kind of felt like it was just on the precipice of her asking you know could you do my skin and then she never does (laughs) um yeah i don't know i thought it was a really interesting piece of work definitely not shit i think um i'm geostorm on it because I do think it's a bit shit, but I did have, I did really like the opening, like 16, 17 minutes. Brian, mate. Come on, Brian. Oh, Brian. <laughs> Brian, it seems like he knew about it all beforehand. <laughs> Brian's already sad. Yeah, Brian was already sad. Like, as long as his dad was dying. Well, yeah. Um, but our audience poll, uh, definite shit, 14%. Okay. Touching cloth, 71%. Okay. Uh, and shit, fourteen percent. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's that's not a bad turnout. I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask some questions. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Kidd, Um After the new Bill and Ted sequel, what franchise from the eighties would you like to see produce another film? Honestly, the film we need right now is Police Academy. <laughs> I mean, do we? I need another Police Academy. Another Police Academy. Do we? With what's going on in America right now, you reckon we need another Police Academy? No, possibly not. <laughs> I need another Police Academy. Fuck it. Let's let's you know let's shape the police in the way we want it. Buffoons. They do that quite well, actually. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, the thing is, I would watch another police kind of movie. I've watched all the other ones. Well, fair. I have one, but I don't know if it counts because I think one of them came out in the nineties. What? Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. No, there's two in the eighties, uh, and there's one in the nineties, and they're actually doing a new Beverly Hills Cop. Ah, well, see, they they future knew what I was gonna say. Yeah, uh, that's a strong shout. That yeah. I don't know why. With with Eddie Murphy again. Yeah. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Uh, Axel Foley. Axel Foley. Yeah. Busted back down to a detective because he's pissed everyone off. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. Bernie'd be like really mouldy by now though. Uh, Well, you'd obviously, you'd have to bring in like a different, like they, I don't know, they go back to fucking, um, they, they, they hook up again, again. And then it goes bad and somebody else dies and you get a line that says, why does this keep on happening to us? <laughs> and it's just something else. We can admire Yeah, it's just a, a different thing. They end up randomly working for the same firm again. And after what is it? After go um, to the, what is it? It's something, you can write it like that. You could you yeah. could easily do it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I would watch this shit out of the weekend at Bernie's yeah. movie. As long as one condition. Go on. One condition. Go on. Right? All practical effects, not a single moment of it can be a special effect. All has to be a guy (laughs) (laughs) just full fucking Terry Kaisering it. See, the the thing is, like, Weekend at Bernie's is great. But I think Weekend at Bernie's 2 has its own special pros as well, doesn't it? It does indeed. I also have another one. Dancing to music. I, I also have another one. Go on. The Burbs. That's not really a franchise, though, was it? No, but I've okay. watched a sequel. I'm yeah. taking it. A yeah. sequel to the Burbs now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's all shoot each other now. 
Like, you, 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 could, you could play you with could that. that you could certainly play with that, that one of them is just trying to shoot everybody. Yeah. Imagine, the, imagine the, the fun you could have with that, setting like a gated community. Mm. Yeah, that's a good show, though. Oh, I forgot to mention earlier, I showed Isabel Airplane. Oh, you did this, yeah. Oh, you watched that. Watched. Well, I didn't watch it all the way through because I was meeting you at the cinema. I left her watching it. Ah, right. She... Now, obviously, she's a 16-year-old girl, so she's very miserable all the time. Um, but just the um, the bit where they're like, um, gosh, which order does it go in? Oh, we've got Clarence, Clarence, Roger, Roger. What's your vector, Victor? It just cracked her up, and she was just giggling in the corner of the sofa for about five minutes. Um, it, it was really nice to see, actually, like the the, the, the comedy of stuff like that holds up really well it's brilliant it is really good but the problem is i want to show them more like it but we've started with like the gold standard you've got to with go airplane you've got to go hot shots yeah mm-hmm. yeah hot shots and then hot shots part deux. Part deux. yeah very yeah. exciting and then you can throw in stuff like um oh, is it spies in disguise fletch which likes christmas vacation so we could show her uh, yeah the, the movies of the of, of Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just thought I should mention that. <laughs> oh, very good. What, what are we covering next week, Ian? Fucking keep remembering. Let's. Uh, Fucking hell. Oh, I think it's gonna get divisive. Charlie Kaufman's. I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> Yay! Woo! How long's that? Oh, fucking hell. I, I, oh, God, no. How long are you? How long are you? Let's have a look. Because I've got a terrifying hours, feeling it's going to be... Two hours, 15. Not as bad as I feared it might be. Oh, I don't know, it's still pretty bad. Um, You know, I'm, I'm intrigued, but also of an opinion that if I get 20 minutes in and think this is going to be a slog, then it, the next two hours are going to be the longest two hours of my life. <laughs> um, but we shall see. We'll also be covering Mulan. Which I'm actually really looking forward to. I'll watch the fuck out of Mulan. And the, like we're going to be really hungover on Saturday. So I'm really looking forward to just like a hungover Mulan watch. And I'll leave it there. Are you, are you, are you out on Friday? Um, going to um, a uh, house that we are bubbling with, uh, where we're going over there with lots. Another couple that we're bubbling with are coming with their two kids. And then we're going over to this house where our friend lives with her son. So it's basically going to be four kids all messing around while we all get absolutely shit faced. <laughs> Solid. Uh, yeah, it, um, we did it a couple of weeks back around here, and it worked very well. So we're going to try the same. And the good thing is, like, literally, she's like a ten minute walk away from ours. So. Ah, um, oh, nice. Yeah, it it actually works out really well. Um, like, yeah, we get very drunk when we're with these folks so it's going to be a laugh um so 
that's the thing like what on a previous one of these the day after was the day that don and i just decided to watch um uh well it was the weekend that we watched jurassic park jurassic world and jurassic world fallen kingdom um and like getting like donna never really sits down and watches films but we were in that kind of delicate state so saturday (laughs) i i could see it being mulan and two other films of easy watching quality uh so i'm quite looking forward to that so um good day yeah i think so um so we're gonna have i'm thinking of ending things which may well make our brain uh, brains itch but we shall see we've got mulan as well i'm gonna watch les miserables the oscar nominated foreign language film uh about the french riots uh which is opening in my cineworld this weekend so i wouldn't be surprised if it is at yours guys but no pressure whatsoever uh to watch that but it's basically the only new release this week so i'm gonna i'm gonna go check it out i actually wouldn't mind seeing that if it lands in hours it might play it's not on our app but that doesn't mean to say it's not playing <laughs> yeah quite yeah shout out to any world so we shall uh we shall see how that goes but um we're we're upon syndicate.com um the iron sequel james for the love of god get a promo his film or movie um oh, pardon me chin Shrugger versus punter what's on tap and same landfill beyond neon new uh tales and tape that coming um playing it forward we are recording a week Sunday. We are doing the... So actually, this is a bit of an announcement because we haven't necessarily actually said this yet. The Sweet Smell of Success. Yep. Stretch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. What are the other two? Greta. Sorry? Greta. Greta. Yep, that's the one I got for you. Really fucking looking forward to talking about Greta. Um, and what else? Oh, fuck. Find out, I need to find out. I uh, can't remember. Da, 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 da. Uh, sweet smell of success. Uh, the wave. The wave. So we've got German foreign language. Yeah. Classic Hollywood. Yeah. Joe Carnahan. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Neil Jordan, Chloe Grace Moretz, Isabel Hooper, Madness. Which the wave are you on about? The wave, the German two thousand eight. Yeah. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. Hang on, is that the disaster movie or the one about people indoctrinating people into a Nazi-like cult? The indoctrinating people in Nazi-like cult. Yeah. Why did I think it was a disaster movie? I mean, yeah. I suppose. There is one called The Wave that's a disaster movie as well. But it's the cult one, yeah? Cult one we're doing, yeah. Oh. I just realised that. I was looking forward to a disaster movie, and now it's Jordan buying that one, isn't it? No, it's not. uh, Noel's bought it for Jordan. So Noel has bought Jordan the German... Wow, all right. That does feel, okay. That does feel like something Jordan would want to watch. Wait, it, it, did you think it was the way of the 2015 one? I did. 
I mean, I, I'll happily watch that for, for the podcast if you want it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know. Maybe let's do that on a future playing it forwards. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> I almost made a very big mistake. I would have totally have watched the disaster film one. <laughs> All right. I've got a feeling I'm going to have to be in a certain fucking mood for that, eh? Yeah, without question, mate. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Um, I anyway. I don't know if you watching Stretch, though. Oh, yeah. No, I mean... Stretch. Stretch Chris Pine. Best Chris. <laughs> best Chris. Just, it, it, it's just having an awful fucking lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that weird guy who smells the ticket. Very good. Right. We will be back next week. Stay safe, everyone. If you're in the US or any territory getting tenant this weekend, take the precautions, feel safe, have a lovely time. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll speak to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.